will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Yes, a joyous and succulent welcome to you, our listeners, without whom we would, let's face it, do this anyway. But we probably wouldn't be wearing the masks. Those ones. The ones you cannot speak of without that light panic, the catch in your throat. What, of course, will not catch in your throat are questions, and you can ask them to us that they might be answered. Ask by emailing wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Joining me today, Mr. Dave Convery. Ambassador to the people in the woods. Good evening. I am Roger Hart, your on-call emergency de-fluffer. And this is Ms. Lucy Boyes, who was bottom in her graduating class at Wizarding School that is technically licensed to practice. Hello. Very good. And now, a question. My partner and I would like to birth one of these smaller humans that we've heard so much about. This creates many problems, but most of these are in a future which we cannot properly imagine right now, and by then we'll be too late to stop. No, the immediate problem is that to get that far, it would be a good idea for me to stop drinking so as to avoid some kind of unwanted outcome, like Roger. Unkind? Noted. But I like drinking, and most of my social life revolves around the pub. How can I successfully avoid the demon drink, at least long enough to conceive, birth, and feed a human? And can I make my non-birthing partner do it too? Yours, not quite expectantly. Conundrum-y. Ms. Boy. So I'm only partially qualified to answer this in that I plan, hopefully, never to reproduce. But I have been a non-drinker now for about five and a half years. I guess I got lucky and it wasn't particularly hard for me. I haven't really had any sort of serious cravings since. But there are some things that are shit about it, like the range of drinks that is available in public. You get a lot of caffeine or a lot of sugar, or both most of the time. It's not really a good scene. So my suggestion is that you should make a list of kind of the most high-value liquid substances that don't happen to contain booze and just prioritise getting more of them into your life. So, you know, reassure your brain that drinks still equal treats, basically. You know, if there's a fancy or expensive kind of tea that you like, but you don't get it very often because it's fancy and expensive, get it a bit more often. Go out for ice cream or milkshakes rather than going to the pub. If you enjoy slush puppies, great. You are having a slush puppy every week or more often if you like it. And there's a van in Cambridge which will do you a slush puppy with a big pile of Mr. Whippy on top. And I think you'd be insane not to try that, pregnant or not. That sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good. I strongly regret not being able to face it the day that I learned it existed. I'd forgotten about milkshakes as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd literally forgotten they exist. Yes, no, they're a thing. You can have one. Um, you can also, it's an opportunity to experiment with flavours that you might not normally combine. So see whatever the sort of hipster non-alcoholic cocktails are at the moment. You know, your Earl Grey syrup, your black pepper, making your own iced tea. Pregnancy in general is an opportunity to combine flavours that don't really combine. Damn straight. <laughs> And I think the other thing is to make it feel fancy. So invest in nicer glassware. Make it feel like a treat rather than a punishment, you know. If you drink, if everything you drink for 40 weeks has a tiny cocktail umbrella in it, that is great. You have fancied up your beverages. 
Um, I think the other thing I would say is you're not going to know this in advance, but from what I've heard, pregnancy is a very capricious thing, and a lot of people found that they were actually just viscerally sickened the whole time by stuff that they previously really liked. So it may be that biology has got your back here and will just sort you straight out. You know, you might be so busy kind of cramming watermelon into yourself that you can't even remember that you used to like beer. So hope for practice. No, 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 no. Just oh, it's food. Yes, yes, nourishment. Of the end. You don't need to stretch the face out beforehand. That's me. Try some milkshakes and hope your body rejects alcohol. Splendid. Mr. Connery. First of all, I would like to thank you for sending me to quite so many pregnancy forums. That was a real treat for me. You're going to get some good ad traffic now. Yeah, really, really, really good ad traffic. Everything I have is blocked to fuck. They're never going to come for me. Fine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about the pub. Going to the pub is passive socialising. You sort of... You go to the pub, there are people at the pub... You're you at the pub. drink and, and talk and find time is had by all. It's very easy. It's very safe. It's relatively cheap and you get to block out a lot of people's very worst qualities by the transformative medium of booze. What you're going to have to do if you want to see people is actively socialise. You're going to have to tell people that you want to see them because... We're all British. We all know the awkwardness of having to say, I wish to engage with you emotionally on this thing. That's why we have the pub. You know that everyone's going to be in the pub. So you don't have to tell them that you like them or want to spend time in their company. Gross. Yeah, well, I figure if you're already having a kid, you're already down for this sort of thing. You so. signed up for grossness and weird emotional intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Let's you can, practice it now. You're going to have to actively socialise. So get good at managing a calendar. Get good at engaging people about going and doing things and setting firm dates for it. Don't assume that because people aren't asking you to do things, they don't want to do things. They're probably just shy, awkward nerd people who are already in the pub. Um, And also, you've shoved a weird, tiny version of yourself up yourself on purpose. And now... And that's confusing to people who don't have that in their lives. Mm. They feel awkwardly about it and they're going to assume that you you don't necessarily want to do things, that you need to sit having your feet rubbed all the time because that's what television has has taught us. So, engage with people. Commit to firm dates. Find the things that you like to do that don't involve booze. Um, Specifically... Find ones that you think you can do while six months pregnant without peeing accidentally. Um, That's going to be important. So like a few months in, you might be able to go bowling. You're not going to be going bowling after a while. You'll have too much empathy with the ball. Yeah. Board games. Board games. Excellent. Good good suggestion. It's my turn, but good suggestion. Well done. When you're knocked up. You also might find that you want to socialise less. This is apparently quite common. Profound exhaustion. Profound exhaustion from being on your feet. Literally making a, huge, a new set of organs. Yeah. With, with your huge, own organs. With a huge amount of extra weight on you. Building a tiny person somewhere around your hoo-ha. It's just, it's a lot to do. Mm. It's a lot to do. And you might find that you don't have the energy or the inclination. Um, and if, if that's the case, that's fine. That's allowed. 
You, you can, can sit at home and be can, large. Yeah, you can talk to people on the internet, of course. Let them know that you'll see them soon. You won't, though, because when you cough out the crotch fruit, it's, your social life is ruined. It's just wailing and shit for two years at that point. That, that's it. You also asked about your partner and whether it's reasonable or whether you can make them uh, give up the booze. And you can always ask. Maybe they'll say yes. I think that a lot of it's going to come down to the way of asking because if you try and force them to, humans are contrary and, and it may go badly. But you do have the moral advantage that you are hurling their genetic material into an uncertain future via your undercarriage. Um, so you can play that to your advantage, just not too hard. Uh, I think also one thing that some partners have found is that actually when your partner becomes a raging ball of hormones, it is actually a lot easier to just not do the thing that's making them very unhappy than it is to keep pursuing your life as you choose it. So you may be able to use that to your advantage. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Mm. But maybe ask them to do as best they can. Don't ask for or expect 100% compliance or absolute cold turkey. Um, With the proviso that you can lord it over them a bit when they fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I quite like the idea of finding forms of... I like the difference between active and passive socialising, I guess. that If it's the socialising you want to replace that you can sort of build little structures but mm. also very much that, that there's a bit of a strand in, in both of these that you just might not freaking want to now when I when I looked at this question myself I I sort of who'd have thought I focused on the booze um I was, I was thinking I was thinking yeah would it really be that bad if you had a couple of drinks I thought about my own childhood and my mum's stories of kind of um well drinking a bit during pregnancy and then I spent like two minutes reading up on fetal alcohol syndrome and oh boy yeah let's not do that so there's a few angles here. One is, one is actually quitting. And the human brain is sort of squishy and hackable. And you can train yourself into habits and various bits and pieces, and you can play games and trade off with yourself. Games that involve milkshakes. Yeah, good. Lucy's suggestion of refactoring other beverages into treats uh, and, and working an awareness of, of different options into your life seems like pretty sensible advice. I would totally get behind that. Put whipped cream on it. Mmm, makes it fancy. There's also... A kind of um, a friend of mine recently not gave up drinking, but very, very strongly cut down for a variety of, I think, mostly dietary reasons. I'm not entirely certain. They made quite an active choice to do it, and the way they did it involved finding complex or less complex, but in the end, quite complex rule systems that they could work with that worked for them. So they started off with, I think, like um, only two nights a week, and that didn't work because they got into sort of horse trading with socialising and making deals with themselves. So they built some sort of structure about consecutive days or weird rules that somehow became easy to form because that gave them a bit of like performative behavioural theatre. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to go cold turkey, I'd suggest giving yourself plenty of runway and start by like hacking your brain with behavioural tricks and bits and pieces. But there's still that problem of social reinforcement, the, the socialising at the pub. Um, so you could just alienate all of your friends. Now, that's easy enough to do. We can provide many suggestions for any of your friends, and I think we probably have on several podcasts. The problem is you're going to want them back afterwards to go to the pub with, because you're really, really going to want to go to the pub when all of this is done, you know, crawling out of you. Please don't bring the baby, though, please. No, that's don't not cool. Don't bring babies to the pub. 
It's terrible. Bring dogs, though. Yes. So conventional tactics won't work. Our usual advice would be too harsh. Fortunately, fate has provided you with a pre-made mechanism for temporarily alienating all of your friends. Societally, we venerate spawning to such an extent that the self-involved gibberish of new parents is fucking unimpeachable. You have carte blanche to fuck on about whatever you like, provided you can tie it to maternity. No one will contradict you, and if you do, you can, like, I don't know, threaten them with a mum's net lunch mob or something. Start crying. You could do that. That's a good one. So, yeah, the the insane veneration of of maternity coupled with the weird neurotic stuff attached to it means that you basically have license to go as peculiar as you like. You go too peculiar, though, you'll alienate your friends permanently. Which is why what I think you need to do is become incredibly, incredibly boring, but tie it all into the business going on up in that whole, like, womb fandango. So, a few sort of suggestions. Um, constant titting on about a, a complex dietary regimen. That's, that's, that's dull as all hell. Um, Please tell us more about the broccoli. Yeah, after a while people will get the message and they'll just sort of stop wanting to talk to you until you've snapped out of it. Descriptions of structural problems they're unlikely to be finding themselves faced with, like waiting lists for childcare and the enormous cost of it. And you can make it all up. Again, don't go too outlandish, but you can make up incredibly dull things that you can just assert are a maternity problem because no one's allowed to tell you you've gone bananas. So, yeah, uh, yeah, structural problems that are in, impenetrable, things that you suddenly have to buy. Don't get too creative. Don't make it exciting or interesting. No. Keep it beige. Keep it really beige, and gradually your friends will just... Everywhere. We have a special bin to put the poo sacks in. But it won't be so bad that they won't come back afterwards. And, you know, if you seem vaguely okay as well, if it's boring as opposed to surreal, if you seem like you might be alright, they won't feel guilty or think you need support. So Mm. again, they'll stop turning up to help you out. Your friends will just gradually be depleted. The only people that will be left around are other people also doing the same preposterous thing with their genitals. So... Yeah, you know, that's and they're probably not drinking either, so good luck socialising with all of the new parents who just sound like great fun. From what I've heard, though, I mean, there's a lot of solidarity of new parenthood, as in we're all in this same weird boat together. We yeah. probably wouldn't have chosen to be friends in our early 20s, but we've got a lot of shared experience at the moment. And that goes, when you're sleep deprived especially, mm-hmm. that goes a huge way to filling your social bar right up like a good sin. Yeah. That will also disappear completely the moment your children turn two or so. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, in all, like, I'm, I'm quite down on this whole thing, and I'm, I'm going to come back to this, but there is, yeah, there's a solidarity moment, there's a fact, there's a reason a lot of new parents socialise because of the, the amount of bonding. And you can all go with your children to a place and all do a thing with yeah. your children, you don't have the awkwardness of balancing non-child and child activities. And so the actual, the less frivolous version, like, don't alienate all of your friends, or at least not entirely, when you do, or if you do alienate all your friends, don't completely replace them with these people because by the time their lives are settled down, you'll find out they're fucking awful. They're just arbitrary people who've been pulled together on this one axis as opposed to the... Yeah. But, but you will have this kind of ability to build a few social interactions. Um, but here's the thing, right? Like, fundamentally, by, say, the early 2030s, when your putative young will be in their teens, the world will be even more of a garbage fire than it is now. The march of neoliberal capitalism will see the young selling their blood to the old, ground into servitude by an unprotected labour market, doing piecework as the lowest bidder to avoid starving in drowned cities. 
But those those lucky enough to be far enough from the reach of either the floodwater or Peter Thiel will still have no safety nets, reliable news sources, healthcare, or even fucking concept of a social contract. Brexit on its own is going to make the UK look like children of men. Like it, the, the road will be seem like fucking butlins. Why are you doing this? Why the fuck would you do this? Hell, like you're going to have to live through most of this yourself. Wouldn't you rather be drunk for that? Can I sell my blood? Yeah. Who to? Peter Thiel. Oh. Mm. Hang on a second. No. Uh, I don't know how old you are. Probably too old. I think it's What's... 25. Is the oh, time. fuck. No, I'm much too old. Sorry. No, it's fine. Don't give that guy my blood anyway. He doesn't need it. But if anyone would like to buy Ms. Boyers' delicious blood, or just to ask other questions, you can contact us at We Will Fix You Show at gmail.com And if you just fancy some blood and are at a loss as to what to do with it, we have some handy art and craft suggestions in a previous podcast. Ta-ta!